What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. A new week as we record here in the Cumulus Studios in Minneapolis. Sam Ekstrom on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, joined by Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels18 on Twitter. Beautiful weekend here, Sage. Hope you had the same down in Omaha. Perfect weekend here. A lot of soccer games and softball games and a little barbecue last night. So uh, perfect. It's one of those types of weekends before it actually ends up getting too hot. I feel like in Omaha once we hit June, July, and August. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than this. And I read an article somewhere that said Minnesota has some of the best weather right now in the whole nation because we're going gradually from winter to summer, whereas a lot of times it just jumps without any buildup where you get those nice 60s and 70s. And Minnesota's actually got the best in the in the country right now. So, And I'm sure you're getting a little taste of that, too, in Omaha. So we're, we're loving it. Yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, that also means that it's you know mini camp and OTA time once – once uh, the weather starts to change as a football player, you start to realize you're going outside and, and you're not working out indoors anymore. You know, a lot of times for the Vikings, you have to work out indoors that early spring just gets so chilly out. Uh, and then you start going outside for the for throwing sessions and for these OTAs. Yeah, the next phase of the offseason program has begun with rookie mini camp, which took place on Friday and I think went on over the weekend. Media was not allowed, but we were there on Friday. We got to hear from Mike Zimmer. We heard from Dalvin Cook, Pat Elfline, and a number of other players, and we got to see them practice. I want to start with what I think is sort of becoming an awkward situation for Sam Bradford. Take a listen here to Mike Zimmer's quote when asked about Teddy Bridgewater's progress. Yeah, I love Teddy Bridgewater. Um, The guy is working his rear end off, uh, continues to to fight every single day. Uh, Everything about him is when he's rehabbing and doing the work that he has to do is the exact same way that he approaches life. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, You know, I'm probably more optimistic now about him eventually playing than than have been at any point in time. But he's still got a long ways to go. That's what Mike Zimmer had to say. And here's my thought on it. You know, Sam Bradford has essentially been declared the quarterback, at least to start the season, But right now, there's a lot of discussion about the possibility of Teddy coming back and playing, maybe this year. And if Bradford is trying to work out an extension in Minnesota, it can't feel good, I guess, for Sam Bradford to be in this position where everyone's looking forward to already his successor. What do you think about that? Well, I think that Teddy is not going to be healthy enough to start the season, so it's Sam Bradford's team. And then after that, I think it's we shall see. Uh, I I did read an article this weekend about, and we discussed it a few weeks ago, about this toll 
contract mm-hmm. issue with Teddy Bridgewater, which actually helps the Vikings. Uh, I'm sure Teddy won't love it. Uh, but if he's on the, the PUP list for the first six weeks, basically the Vikings get another season uh, of him under contract, which is probably why uh, they didn't um, give him that fifth-year option, right? So uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, things in motion here. Uh, if it was the government, they'd say this is a fluid situation. Uh, it's going to be fluid, I think, the entire season. And, and, and you know, at the end of the season, uh, we might have a situation where Sam Bradford's a free agent and, and might go somewhere else. Uh, though I'm, my guess is he probably wants to stop moving around and would probably try to stay with the Vikings if the Vikings wanted him back. Uh, he likes his offensive coordinator. Uh, he's now ha- will have been on this team for a couple of years. My guess is that he would probably want to stay. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see with this Teddy Bridgewater injury and if he's on this PUP list, which the Vikings might almost force him uh, to be on the PUP list. And then there might be some sort of legal battle between the NFL Players Association and the Vikings slash NFL, uh, if, if Teddy Bridgewater feels like he is healthy within the, before those six games are up, uh, there'll be a legal battle uh, as to that whole toll uh, issue as, as it relates to his contract. So this is a very fluid and interesting situation as, as we go forward. Well, it sounds like you might have read the same article I read. Um, I was reading a pro football talk, and they, they outlined this exact scenario that you're talking about, and I have a quote from it that I tweeted earlier today. Quote, here's where the situation morphs from potentially contentious to flat-out confusing. A league source tells PFT that the NFL's management council has interpreted the relevant language of the CBA in past cases to require the player to spend the entire year on the pup list in order to toll the contract. PFT has asked both the NFL and the Vikings whether that contention is accurate and there has been no response from either the league or the team. So, and, and this is what we talked about, the confusion here, whether it's six games or whether it's the whole season, and the language seems clear that it is six games. Doesn't it confuse you a bit, Sage, where if it's just six games, then theoretically the, the player could then play 10 of the 16 games and still get the contract told? Doesn't that seem odd? Well, that, that seems odd, and also it seems unfair to the player, the fact that you would play basically two-thirds of the season and, and yet not have a season count uh, you know, towards, your, towards your years accrued, mm-hmm. I guess, or towards your, uh, towards your contract. Um, you know, players, they, they want to become free agents, uh, especially players in their first contract. You're really you're working for those four to five years to get to free agency uh, <laughs> where you can really negotiate with all the teams, and that usually means you get a lot more money. So uh, my, my, this is going to be an interesting fight. Um, I would think that the Vikings are going to try to do what is fair by Teddy Bridgewater because they love him up there. Let me, let me tell you, I talked to enough people up there. They love Teddy Bridgewater, everything about him, uh, the way he handles himself, uh, the way he works, the way players around him respect him. Uh, my assumption is they want him to be the quarterback of the future. If they want that, uh, I don't think uh, you know they want to mess around too much um, with doing something that will obviously piss him off. So uh, they're going to try to come to uh, hopefully come to some sort of uh, agreement at some point, and this whole thing can get figured out. 
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. So I did a a lengthy feature on Bucky Hodges, a sixth-round tight end from Virginia Tech, and he's very confident. He spoke at length to us about how he's wearing the number 84 because he grew up loving Randy Moss, and he wants to be a legend like Randy Moss. I think it begs the question, though, at some point, should the Vikings kind of retire the number 84 and take it out of circulation and just get that guy in the team's Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's I think it's much better to retire, uh, you know, legendary NFL numbers than college numbers. You know, colleges have 100, 125 players in the team, so it's it's hard to, uh, you know, start retiring numbers. And it, you know, next thing you know, you've got 10 numbers that are and you only have you know 99 of them. So uh, 10 of them are gone. That really limits the situation. That's why you know, in colleges you have you know three number sixes uh, on your roster. So in the pros, with only having 53 guys. I think it'd be much better to retire, you know, great, great players. And, you know, number 84 means Rainy Moss, at least to me it does, when you're talking about the Minnesota Vikings. And so I think there's certain players who have had, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame type careers that their numbers, you know, should be retired. A lot of times equipment managers um, will sort of retire them themselves. They just won't hand them out anymore. Uh, it seemed like every team I was on, there were, you know, certain players that, uh uh, maybe their number wasn't retired by the team, but in, in essence it was by the equipment manager who just sort of refused to ever hand out that number again. And I think you just got to take the temptation away from these young guys to put their foot in their mouth because, I mean, Bucky Hodges seems like a great player, great young man, but we don't know if he's going to make the team. And when, when you put that expectation on yourself to say, I, you know, I can I can be the next legendary 84. It's a legendary number. I'm just hoping I throw my name into that hat and just build on some kid, kid will be like me one day. I don't know if that's setting a great realistic bar for you to reach. So, and Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray did it right. When he was number 28 and he came to Minnesota, he said, I'm not going to be 28. I think that was a smart decision on Murray's part. Hodges, intriguing guy. I mean, 6'7", converted quarterback. We talked about him last week on the podcast. He's got good hands. I mean, I watched him a lot at practice. I think he's got potential to be on the 53-man roster. I just don't think he's going to be Randy Moss, but a very intriguing piece nonetheless. Well, almost no college wide receiver that and that comes into the NFL has any of the talent that Randy Moss has. I mean, he was on a whole different level. His speed, his size, his ability to catch the ball, uh, his ability to really come out of breaks. Um, there, there, there's almost nobody that's played in the league that's had those natural abilities. And uh, so people can say they want to be like Randy Moss, but I don't think anyone is ever going to be like Randy Moss for a long, long time, and I don't think anyone has been like Randy Moss in the history of the NFL in the past. So when you were practicing out there, Sage, like at the end of practice, did you ever try to catch punts with the other quarterbacks? Occasionally, but uh, to be honest with you, I saw, I've saw i seen guys go out and try to catch punts, and it's it's much harder than people realize. Um, and then I've also seen guys like, you know, dislocate fingers uh so i when i saw that one time i'm like i'm not doing that anymore because that ball comes down <laughs> it it moves a lot at the end when it's coming when it when they turn over uh and you catch it just just wrong and boom there's a dislocated finger not really worth it 
uh, for a quarterback. Yeah, not at all. Well, I bring it up because I think we take for granted how easy Marcus Sherrill's makes it look catching punts because out there on Friday, they put about six guys in a line just trying to catch punts. And I think they'd like to to build some depth in that area. Marcus Sherrill's getting a little bit older. They want to see who can do it. And to watch some of these rookies try to handle a punt, it was hilarious. I mean, it was like they brought college kids out of the stands trying to do it. I think Rodney Adams tripped and fell on his face twice just trying to field these punts. It's hard. I mean, I can't believe how NFL players still struggle with that skill because you got to read the wind, you got to read the spiral, and and then you just got to catch it. And it was not easy. So uh, we take Marcus Sherrill's for granted, but man, he makes it look smooth when he does it. Well, there are some great receivers I had over the years uh, who had no issue catching, you know, tough passes and and all those types of things, but they struggle with catching punts. I mean, I, I think there is something almost natural uh, and, and, a, and a calmness you have to have as a as a punt returner to catch those catch those balls. Kick, uh, catching kickoffs, those are really easy. Those end over end uh, kicks don't move that much, but punts they move a lot, and they move a lot in just the last you know three or four. Uh, yards as it's dropping towards the returner. You're also playing in these stadiums, of course, not U.S. Bank, but when you're playing at MetLife Stadium in, in North Jersey, you know Philadelphia, Buffalo, uh, it's always windy and swirling winds. I mean, you look up at the flags up top, and the winds are usually going the opposite direction as you're feeling it on the field. So there's all types of wind up there. That is one of the most challenging things to do, I think, uh, as an NFL player is to actually catch a punt. Pat Elfline talked to us as well. Third round pick out of Ohio State said he's going to work at center. I think what's going to benefit Elfline is that he's got great guys next to him. He's going to have Boone to his left, a guy he already knows. He's going to have, in all likelihood, Joe Berger playing guard to his right, who knows the center position very well. So he's going to have a lot of help. What I noticed on Friday is that there was a little bit of trouble with the exchanges. And if I recall, you've astutely pointed out that when you worked with younger centers and more experienced centers, there was a little bit of a difference in how fluid that exchange was? Oh, absolutely. Uh, playing center, if they've never really played it much before, um, snapping and trying to move at the same time, uh, that takes a lot of time. You know, shotgun, if you're sliding one way and you sort of start your slide just slightly before you actually release the ball, that'll move the ball two or three feet um, on the shotgun snap. So, it takes time. Uh, that's Those OTAs and minicamps and training camp are a great time for a center quarterback to get comfortable. And you know, as a quarterback, every center you have definitely had, um, there was a different way they snapped the ball, and you have to get used to it. And some are better than others. Some some guys just really struggle snapping the ball, and they, and they can't play center. Uh, but the guys that are really good at it and the quarterback feels really comfortable with that snap, it helps the offense a whole lot. Last question for you. I'm just wondering, what kind of offense are we seeing when we see these rookie camp practices? Is it sort of a shell of the team system? Are they just teaching them like how to run the drills at this point? Because obviously there's not much time to get these players acclimated to a scheme. There's not much meeting time beforehand. What are we seeing when we're watching them kind of run these dummy offensive sets? You're just seeing their base base offense. I mean, these are you know your simple run. They'll probably have you know six or so runs uh, in there, an inside zone, outside zone, probably some sort of weak side fullback on linebacker, you know, type play, uh, and then you know maybe uh, some sort of draw, and then off of that, whatever play action might come off that, you know, the, the sort of a draw pass or some sort of bootleg off the outside zone action. 
So it, they usually sort of they, they really um, um, trim it down to real basic plays. You know, a couple three-step plays, a couple five-step plays, uh, maybe a couple seven-step plays, and defensively as well. You know, they're only playing really you know three or four coverages out there. They want to see if these DBs, you know, especially in a Mike Zimmer defense, they want to see if these DBs can run. They want to see if they can, you know, chase man-to-man because that's what uh, he likes to coach. So they're going to keep it really simple so they can see these guys just go out and perform rather than having them think so much. They want to see how they actually perform when they know what they're doing. And if anyone's wondering about Dalvin Cook, uh, he looked good out there, but I, I don't want to say anything too drastic because when you're a running back and you're not getting tackled ever, you're not allowed to get tackled, I mean, it's really hard to evaluate how anybody looks when uh, when they have an open lane to the end zone every time they touch the ball. So I have no knee-jerk evaluations on Dalvin Cook, unfortunately. I know you were waiting for that, Sage. You were waiting for me to declare him a Hall of Famer after one practice, but I'm not going to do it. Well, it's hard for running backs to look in practice either because, you know, the really good running backs are the ones that after a, a yard of getting through the line, you know, there's some contact and then there's running backs that can break through that contact and the ones that get tackled for a three-yard gain. So it's always really hard to judge a running back. Oh, and the fact that how does he catch the ball in the backfield? Does he know what he's doing as far as protection is concerned? But a running back's real value all occurs when the shoulder pads come on. So that's the rookie camp review of uh, our first glimpse at the Vikings draft class and the other tryout invitees and undrafted free agents. It was a good time on Friday, a beautiful afternoon, and the Vikings, I think, will bring the rest of the crew in for OTAs sometime in the next two or three weeks with mandatory mini camp wrapping up the festivities in June. Good show, Sage, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Huge thanks to some of our five-star reviews out there from Recruiting Edge, Kay Pompey, Katie Keeper, Brian of NorCal. It's your reviews and your listenership that we appreciate. Thanks for taking the time to listen and review. That's fantastic. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Enjoy the day. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.